open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers all right, one, two, one, two. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast. We are back in effect broadcasting live from the Shire Studios, my man, Insidious behind the boards as always. Uh, before we get to this week's guest, we took last week off because we're gearing up for a uh, a massive end of year, man. We've got some huge shit ahead of us and uh, nothing more huge than today's guest. You know, we're super excited to have today's guest via Skype. But before we get to him, um, we better recap our last episode. As, as I just stated, we took last week off just to um, you know, just have a little bit of br- bit of a breather before we get into things. And um, our last episode was Tom Thumb. We were stoked to be joined by um, you know the Human Orchestra himself. What do we talk about with Tom? We talked beatboxing, obviously. We talked uh, his history, you know, sort of in the elements, breakdancing, graffiti. Um, his TED Talk, graffiti, as already stated. His future endeavors, um, some of his individual projects, the music that he worked on. We talked Born Fresh with him. We talked all kinds of crazy shit. Tom's a great dude, a super um, a super nice dude, character. He's out there. We talked travel. We talked all that shit. Um, yeah, it was an honor to have Tom on, man. Like, he's definitely a um, an inspiration, a creative dude, and one of the sort of few one of the few people out there that are um, like all round b boys that are re- have really mastered the elements of hip hop culture as a whole. Like, he's fucking he's on some shit, man. He's an incredible dude. And once again, go check his TED talks. Go check um, check his music. Yeah, he dropped Ratchet face just recently he was uh, episode 36 for us and we're about to get into episode 37 very shortly but before we do we got to send a massive shout out to burn crew uh, burn crew burn crew clothing where um we're currently working on a few things with them um just real low key you'll hear more about that in time but yeah huge shouts to burn clothing celebrating uh 20 years of streetwear and um you know sort of hip-hop in australia they've been doing it they're about it and big shouts to flick who's uh continuing things so yeah make sure you support burn clothing man because fuck they've been about this for fucking ever man like they were a huge influence on us early on we used to always rock their shit always grabbing their clothes and stuff like that and continue to to this day as you should also big shouts to um our patreon subscribers ryan craig big shouts to um paint stop pa- paint stop pappy um Fuck whoever else, all the all the Patreons, everyone doing their thing. Um, you can find us, you can like, share, subscribe, find us on social media at Beers Beats the Beers. We are on Instagram, we are on uh, Facebook. Now, also, we recently uh, launched our, we haven't really sort of um, put it out there, but our YouTube channel is um, live and available for you to go subscribe. Now, we're trying to build up the subscribers over there 
now so we can eventually get this uh live filming sort of thing going so we got to get up the subscribers i mean we've already got 130 subscribers on there or 130 plus without even having advertised it so we're stoked cheers to everyone sort of tuning in and checking us on youtube slowly but surely episodes are going up i think we have 10 or 15 or so episodes on there so far of the show but yeah we're getting everything up as we go um yeah so head over there just you know give the page a subscribe or whatever and um check it out and where we are still working on on that whole live thing hopefully we'll you know we'll get that um up and running soon but yeah you can subscribe to the youtube channel you can get us out there the shire studios are in effect as they are our man insidious he's running this place full time so make sure you get at him for beats um production uh mixing mastering all that kind of this fucking like he he's a he's a um He's a, a young genius in the studio, man. Our boy Russ, he's definitely doing his thing. So hit him up at Inside Us. You know how it goes. And my man Insidious. Or just hit up Beers, Beats and the Beers and we'll point you in the direction. The Shire Studios, they are open for business. And once again, find us at Beers, Beats the Beers. Hit us on the Gmail. Hit us on Instagram. Hit us on all that shit. Now, do we have anything else to talk about? Nope. That pretty much fucking sums it all up for the time being. Let's get into this week's guest, man. Um, I am honoured to have this dude join us. Like, you know, I want to talk to people about all elements of hip-hop from, you know, from fucking rapping to graffiti to the actual design to actually crafting, creating, uh, communicating a concept, you know. And I'm super stoked to have this dude join us. Um, I've been at this guy. I've been at Ben for uh, a hot minute now trying to make it happen and just things weren't, you know, like he's a busy man. We're all fucking busy people but we are stoked right now to have him via Skype the via Skype should I say the creative director of April 77 creative we have the man Ben Funnel joining us live live on beers beats and the beers Ben how are you bro good bro Thanks for that intro. Oh, dude. So, nah, man. It is an absolute honor honor for us to have you, man. And as stated, like, you know, I've been wanting to get you on for a hot minute, dude. Like for, yeah, for more than a minute. Just to talk about, you know, talk about the... Um, you know, what it is about, you know, what it is to communicate a brand with a broader public, which is something you've been doing for a long time now, man. And I'm super stoked to have you on, dude. Like, we want to talk all that, all that sort of shit, all that history, like fucking everything. But man, you've been busy, dude. Like just recently, man, like just let's fucking, let's sort of get straight into things. One of your most recent projects, Heaters Executions, dude. Like I thought we'd fucking just jump into this joint off the bat because it is spectacular, bro. Like it is amazing man can you sort of talk us through what before we get into your history and all that sort of thing can you just talk us to talk us through what was involved in you know working with uncut recordings i mean you've worked with so many people you've worked with uncut you work with obese you work with golden era the hoods countless others bliss and so we're going to get through things but man i don't think like you know like in terms of packaging and uh all that kind of thing like this is i mean executions is fucking spectacular bro like sort of what was what was involved in in going into to that yeah thanks heaps for that man it's it's definitely one of my favorites as well mm. um uh yeah we we first started working with uncut um when trem hit us up to to redo the uncut website yep. um some yep. years back which was kind of a the precursor to the release of um of the k double record yes yeah it's connected record um, so that's sort of how uh, the relationship with Trem uh, sort of kicked off. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for Heater's project, um, 
You know, it's 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 got the the VHS kind of video throwback theme, which is you know right up my alley. I'm not I'm not on the level of of Heater in terms of the, the video library that I know he's got at the crib. Um, but, but I'm I'm very much you know of that era as well. And and you know when I got the brief for this, we're you know with the focus on 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 video and sort of making the artwork look like an old old dusty fucked up sort of VHS cover. Yeah, it was right up my alley. You know when when I was a kid, um, Saturdays were were all about like my mum would go out to dinner with her boyfriend at the time, and I'd um I'd get a get a bit of money to go buy some fried chicken. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And rent a, rent, a, rent a couple of videos from the local video store. Yeah, straight up. Um, you know, Dr. White video, man, that's that's what's up. And uh, and part of that experience, like for me, and this is, you know, we've, we've sort of jumped straight into um, the the my my influences, I guess, from a graphic design standpoint as well. Like yeah. a big part of, of what's influenced me to do what I do now is, is those experiences as a kid and going to the video store and – and just trawling the the shelves, looking right. at looking at the covers on those VHS uh, yes. um, uh, packages, you know. Yes. And, and often in the eighties, those fucking covers, man, they they were sometimes the covers were way better than the movies. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, mean? yeah like, dude, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, you know, and and you know, I'd I'd typically be looking in the in the action adventure or the horror mm-hmm. kind of kind of sections, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you'd be checking out the artwork and and flip the cover around and look at the back and you know, read the read the description of what's what's in this movie and and look at the little uh, you know, the little images, the little screen grabs from from what what's happening in the film, and you know, there there were key things as a teenage boy or or younger that you you'd look for like. Yeah. If there was a little bit of nudity or whatever, you know, a little bit of female nudity, that oh, was definitely oh. back in the day. But, You're going for like, that. Is, yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, this is, that's, what it, that's what it was, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think a big part of it for me that I enjoyed often even more than watching the movie was just that experience of going down and checking out checking out the artwork and the covers and, mm-hmm. and, and selecting one or two videos off the shelf to take home yeah. and eat my box of chicken. And watch a movie and, and just chill at home on a Saturday night. So, oh um, shit, yeah, dude, yeah. bro. Yeah. How so, it- so that, that, that that was you know all of that got poured into this heater executions cover. So, and dude, it is it, bro. It is honestly all there. And just hearing you say that, man, like I think I've fucking even said it in the past, man. Like how exciting the video store was as a kid when you'd wander into that place and just fucking. Like the colors, the movies, the fucking everything, dude. Like the video store was a fucking exciting joint to be in as a kid. And like, bro, with executions, you captured it perfectly from like, you know, like from the sticker over the top of the sticker. So you got like the uncut recordings logo in there, but you got like the $3 weekly, then the weekly higher over the top. And I remember that shit, man. Like I remember getting Goodfellas as a kid and shit like that and being, you know, like it was an overnight release. And then the next sticker goes over the top of the overnight release. It's like a three day higher. So it's only like three bucks by that point instead of six or something. Then it's a weekly hire. Like, dude, you captured, you captured fucking everything in. And I know that that's a cent. That's this is what you do. But fuck, man, you. And to me, and to me, beyond anything else, knowing Heater on a personal level, you captured him in so many in so many regards or in so many aspects via this artwork, dude. It's fucking. It's something else, man. And for people listening that haven't seen it, just go to April seventy seven Creative or go to Heater's Instagram page or Uncut Recordings. You know, like it's out there. I think it's available for pre order at the moment, or it's yeah. I don't know. I just got the seven last it's week. Out. It's sold out already. 
I, it might, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. There might be a few tapes left. Yeah. I know the clamshells are definitely gone. Yeah, oh, the clamshells would be well and truly gone. Like, what do, did they do? Did Uncut, did Heater, did Tram, whoever, did did someone come to you with a um, with the general concept and you sort of had to match their idea? What, how, how's the what's, – what's the general engagement between you and your client when trying to create something like this? Yeah, for sure. On this one, mm. um, Tram, Tram and Heats, you know, had a very strong vision. Um, incredible, incredible reference material that, that Heater sent up to me. Um, so much to draw from. Yeah. And so, so you know, this one was a walk in the park. I, I, I don't know that um, if you, I mean, I like to think at least that the fact that it was very much drawing on this experience from my own childhood. Yeah. Um, that, 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 you know, that the, it was the perfect synergy on this particular project because I, I completely understood what they were after. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like those guys are, are incredible um, artists and, and um, very, very clear and tactful in the way that they deliver a brief as well. Yeah. I would, um, I would imagine so. I'd imagine it'd be, uh, it'd be a fairly specific, you know, sort of, you know, you'd have. I'd imagine Tram and Heath supplying you with specific guidelines to sort of almost follow, in a way. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, but but at the same time, and this is what makes them so great to work with, is that if they if they sort of respect your you know what you're bringing to the table they let you they let you flex on it as of well course, like it's of course yeah. it's it's not sort of like you know you're just executing um Their uh, vision. the pun um, yeah, yeah like yeah. like just an operator kind of thing yeah. you know it's very very collaborative yeah but at the same time like when you get a brief like that as a designer that just sort of hits all the marks with what you're into personally and 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 you know there was a reason for this to look like a VHS cover. It wasn't just because it's a VHS, you know, like mm. let's make it look like a VHS cover. That's the heart and soul of what this project is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly. that's incredibly inspiring to get a to get a brief like that and to just go nuts on. So, so I, I, I you know, I just blacked out and just went, you know, just had mad fun with it. Mm. Um, I was able to incorporate. You know, I've got a few. I don't like. I said I don't have the library of old VHS tapes lying around that that Heater does. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've, I've got quite a few myself. Um, so I was able to scan a few bits and pieces off things that I've I've actually got in a physical form here at the crib, um, and incorporate that stuff into the artwork. So there's there are little um, parts of that that are that are actually, you know, that sort of trigger. Uh, just, just good feel good memories for me because yeah. they're incorporated into the artwork and you know I love I love putting little you know sprinkling a little bit of my my own um, my own self and my own nostalgia and shit that I'm vibing on into into artwork because when I get to look at it you know it's it gives you the good feels you know so yeah absolutely um, there's there's plenty of that in there but you know we, I mean when Trim was like we're gonna do these these oversized clamshell covers for the cassette it's like you're fucking kidding me that's like the ultimate <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the ultimate design brief you know so yeah 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 um it props those guys so so um so thankful that they have trusted me and, and have brought me on board for a, for a, you know a couple of projects now and it's just just been awesome to work with those guys for sure oh dude and look at and look at what you like i'm i actually have it in front of me on your website and i'm sort of studying it as you speak like there dude there there is so much going on there like and it is it's fucking like it's 
perfect art. And I haven't sort of been f- – like, I mean, there's great artwork being done out there uh, in regards to music and all that kind of thing. But, like, this like, – I remember texting Heath just being floored. I was like, wow, dude, that is fucking – it's just phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. It's, and as you said, excuse the pun, but it's executed perfectly, you know? Like, it's just – it's ideal and I just see them in it. Like, you know, it's fucking it's, – it's amazing work, bro. Amazing work. Thanks, Heath, man. I mean – and, and, you know, not to forget, like, my man Tubak on the cut on the oh, first single. 100%. And to get to do, like, I, I was just bugging on the fact that Percy P is, is sharing artwork that, you know, to yeah. be like an absolute <laughs> revered hip-hop legend that, you know, yeah. and he's, like, giving me props and stuff. And it's just, you know, it's incredibly gratifying and humbling to be involved in a project like this for sure. Yeah, definitely, bro. Well, I suppose this sort of takes us back, man, talking about the VHS cassettes and going back there, bro. Let's fucking, let's get into it, man. Like, where does where, where does your interest in graphic design sort of start? Does it start with hip-hop music? Um, or elsewhere? Yeah, probably elsewhere. I mean, I, um, how far back do I go? I've written down a few notes here. Oh, dude, please, please. <laughs> um, because I I, I, um, I grew up in in parks in the central west of New South Wales, so Shit, it's a small yeah. small country town. Um, and and to be honest with you, like I was, what got me into hip hop was I was I was mad into basketball. Like I just lived at the gym, I just played ball all the time, and sort of you know that exposure, I guess, to 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 ball and African American culture and hip hop sort of being just sort of wrapped up in that. I think. You know that that was all sort of um, a big part of my youth. Yes, sir. Um, and, and I mean, definitely, my brother. You know, he he went to the um, the Run DMC Tough and Leather concert in '88, I think. Oh, um, the, was that at the Horden Pavilion or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was too young to go. My brother's five years older than me. Yeah. Um, yeah. but he, you know, like because he's that much older than me, he would sort of. It, same thing with horror movies that I wasn't allowed to watch when I was mad young. He, yeah, he'd yeah. watch Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever, and then he'd, he'd give me the, the blow-by-blow breakdown. Yeah, like, yeah. Of, he'd tell me the whole story. Like, this is the illest. Like, um, and I, being a visual person, I'd just, I'd just black out as, like, the, the, the ultimate experience. So he, he did the same, the same thing um, with Run DMC and that, and that concert. And, you know, he told me about the whole show and everything that happened and, Derek B, the, the the dude from London that was yeah. the support act, and I got, yep. I got that. I, I rinsed those tapes as a as a kid, so that was sort of the gateway into hip hop around '88 through my brother. My brother kind of grew out of it. He said, "You'll grow out of it," you mm-hmm. know. He went got into you know grunge and whatever else. Yeah. Um, and I just, but that's like the apex of the early '90s, and you you and you know as well as I do, like the the succession of ridiculous releases between '88 and. Mm sort of 94, 95. Exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, that's me at my most impressionable. So even in a town of 10,000 people in the central west of New South Wales, you would think that hip-hop maybe wouldn't, there wouldn't be the access to it. But um, because I used to travel a lot for rep basketball, so I used to go to the largest, larger um, towns in the central west and then up to Sydney and whatever. So I'm constantly going to record stores and copping tapes. Yeah. And we 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 got the source out in parks, like so. I think the first issue of the source I got was the um, the one with De La Soul on the cover when they gave a perfect score to um, De La Soul is dead. Oh wow, sick! And yeah, so ba- basically every issue from the source from then for about the next ten 
to 15 years, I copped. Yeah. And, and definitely for that first year block, it was like, well, anything that gets over a three and a half mic rating, like we're going to go and suss that out, you know, yeah, whether yeah. we order the tape in. There was a few other mates in town that like were into it as well. And we obviously were kids, so we didn't have a lot of money, but you know, one of us would buy one tape, the other one would buy another tape or whatever, and then we'd dub off each other. So, yeah. you know, the hip-hop collection was pretty strong even from back then. Oh, so that's how I, without, without sort of, you know, yambering on too much about it, that's pretty much how I got into hip-hop. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to sort of year 12, um, I blew my knee out, I blew my ACL out. So, mm. like... Basketball was kind of my, my basketball hopes and dreams were kind of crushed pretty quickly with that. <laughs> um, well, the sounds of things. <laughs> um, so I was kind of at a loose end. Like I, 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 my my year advisor at high school was was actually a teammate in my in the local team at Parks um, for basketball, and then and he was like, "Well, you go to Newcastle Uni, where I went to uni, mm. and I, I've got some connects there, and I'll you know I'll tee you up with some of the Newcastle Falcons guys and whatever, and you know you can get into playing ball there, and you know so I'm like, yeah, all about it. And then I blew my ACL, and it was like, ah, I don't know if I want to go to uni there anymore. Kind of yeah. not sure what I want to do, and was at a bit of a loose end. Um, so, and at the time I was thinking more, more teaching, you know, cause my mum's a teacher and my sister was studying teaching. Um, so, um, ended up sort of changing trajectory and going, ended, ended up moving to Western Sydney and studying fine art. Fuck, okay. So I did a, yeah, I did a bachelor of fine art, um, which a two year TAFE course out at Penrith for the first year and then Warrington, um, lived in Blacktown, um, for those years. So this is around. Uh, 95, 96. Yep, yep. Um, and and to be honest, man, like in 95, I was I hated computers. I was like, I just all I wanted to do was paint and draw, and you know, express myself and be creative. And and I wasn't about computers at all. Yeah. Um, but in in the second year of that course, um, my my painting teacher was also the design teacher, and we had one class in the course. Um, that was for for design, and this is, you know, this is going way back when everything was kind of saved to to Cyquest drives, like those big old tapes, you know, Fuck, and zip yeah. disks and stuff. Like, yep, you know, yep. Um, and you'd save whatever it was, one point seven meg onto a floppy disk kind of shit. Jesus. Um, yeah, and so, but but having my painting teacher, who I was, you know, a big fan of, and really enjoyed my painting, him showing me Photoshop and showing me how to undo my mistakes and. And, and, and using it as a tool just to do what I'm already doing, um, but but on the computer was it was the perfect way for me to get over my fear of working on computers. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is ridiculous to say now because I'm just like constantly on them now. But like back then, that's as a kid from the country, that's just where my head was at. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, hundred percent. No, I was I was very much the same forever, man. And it was um it was actually kind of going to uni as an adult that kind of forced me into using computers and you know just doing it and learning it because I was much the same, dude. I just never fuck with computers. I don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. The crazy now, like just sort of even saying this now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Kind of it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and I'm. You know, got a grey beard now. I'm 42 years old, and I'm kind of looking back on on this like, you know, I was just a kid. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but yeah. I was really lucky that I went and did that fine art course, which was dope for a lot of reasons. Mm. Um, it taught me a lot about, 
you know, composition and color and all of the all of the sort of fundamentals of, of artwork, which I still utilize to this day in, in what I do now as a graphic designer. But that was that was the gateway to being a graphic designer that you know, I was really quite directionless. Like yeah. my mum was was worried, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go away and be a fine artist? Like how are you gonna make a living <laughs> off off that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Um, but it was it, it was, you know, I guess it was yeah, it, it was a good good thing in the end, and it, and it led me on my path. And um, the other dope thing was this whole time I was recuperating my my knee. I had a knee reconstruction, and after a couple of years of living in Sydney, um, in Western Sydney, and and doing my thing, um, I ended up getting into um, the graphic design uh, course at, at Canberra University. Okay. And so I moved to Canberra in um, '97, mm. and um, Started the graphic design degree there, and my knee got better, and I started playing state league ball again, and, and got my hops back, and, and you know, sort of everything sort of coming together at the right time. So I had well direction done. in terms of my career, and and also had my sport back, which was my biggest, my biggest release. And and hip hop was always just like sort of the was always there. Yeah. It was always the the, the complement to um, to everything else, but but I hadn't sort of at that point I hadn't gone. Right, I'm going to use this this uh, graphic design mm. and and focus it on top. Like yeah. I hadn't made that connection yet at all. Yeah, yeah. So um, when when do you like at, at what point are you are you looking at album covers at that stage? Are you sort of are you seeing things? Is things peaking an in interest or you know? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. like um, I mean the the whole time, like throughout all of those years, like I said before in the intro with the VHS stuff, like. That was very much uh, a source of inspiration, but at the t time, I didn't realize it was a source of inspiration for my future career. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just shit that yeah. I loved. It just captured yeah. my imagination. It just, you know, I just got sort of sucked into it. I would just stare at this this stuff, and that's why it resonates so deeply with me now. And I'm so passionate about artwork to this day, mm. and artwork that complements another form of art. You know, yeah. I mean, I love going yeah. to a gallery and just looking at a, a, at artwork. Um, mm. But I'm all about that that package, that whole experience of like, here's this film, or here's this here's this storybook, or here's this album, you know, of music, yeah. and the art that accompanies it. It's that that whole package, and I've just been into that forever. Yeah. Dude. Um, and you know, I know we're going to talk about another album cover in a, in a bit as mm -hmm. well. Um, but you know, comics are another big big thing for me as well. Like I've, I've always been into into comics and comic art and and um, you know that was also a huge, a huge thing that still influences me to this day. But it's really just me being a, you know, stuff that I was into as a kid, and I've just never grown up really. Yeah, I'm yeah. Still in, <laughs> you know, probably in a lot of ways, like it's maybe a bit of my nature, a little bit sort of insular, and you, like I like to kind of, I was as a kid, I was sort of. My being my my brother and sister are a fair bit older than me, so they left home and went away to uni and stuff. And then it was just me and my mum. Mm. And you know, mum would go out, like I was saying before, on a Saturday night. So I spent mad time on my own, just kind of, you know, watching watching these movies or listening to records or or reading my my graphic novels or whatever. So it's a little bit of a um, an insular pursuit where yeah, you just sure. sort of you enjoy spending time on your own. You really lose yourself in this in this artwork and these, you know, um, forms of expression. So yeah. without knowing it, as I was absorbing all of this stuff, you know, 
it now plays such a huge part in what I do now, but I, I didn't, I hadn't figured, I hadn't connected all the dots yet at that stage that, oh, this is what I'm going to do as a career at all. Yeah, you know? no, 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 uh, certainly not, certainly not. How does, like, how does, like, how does your history, like, with music or, you know, how, and obviously, like you said, comics and all that kind of thing, everything that sort of, you know, everything that uh, you use as an influence today, that, does that essentially inform how you kind of, how well how you create today does it I, I mean i would presume so like you know you sort of take from that era particularly like i mean like you know obviously we was just talking executions and all that sort of shit like so much of you know so much of your creativity seems like i don't know it's almost like there's a throwback element to it like i look at some of it and i'm like man some of this shit looks like a like it looks like an 80s sci-fi novel or you know like you know this shit's dope dude like it's it's fucking crazy yeah. Oh man, that's so dope that you say that and 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 recognize that. You know that that that. I mean, it's gratifying to me to know that these things that I'm peppering in there and these influences are are sort of that people get it. That the people yeah. sort of see. Oh, yeah, you're into that shit for sure. You know, because yep. um, it, it obviously and and as you know, like we work with a wide sort of variety of clients and most projects, or not most, but um. You you got to cater your your design to to the the problem that you're trying to solve for of whatever course. that project is, you know. So yep, yep. not everything falls for crazy hectic fucking skulls in the air and shit. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but you know when when I when I kind of see an opportunity to get that stuff in there and it sort of makes sense for the for the project, I'm like, you know, as long as you can give a good rationale for something and it's not just doing it for for no reason just because you want to do it like it's got to to me it's got to make sense conceptually because right. all the best designs do that yes certainly. um and so i really uh, you know i take that very seriously and it makes um it makes it more fun to work work on when there's some substance and some something behind it and it also makes it a hell of a lot easier to sell something that might be a little bit way out or crazy to a client if you can give them a really good reason for a you know, for a skull to be in the sky or, yeah. I don't know, some other ill shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 bro, like fucking elephants walking out of pyramids and, you know, like, dude, the, bro, there's some amazing shit, man. You've done some amazing work and we will get into it. How do you... um? Well, how do you... um? I mean, how do you sell design or branding or anything like that? Well, does it differ between corporate and contemporary clients? So working for a corporate client or working for, you know, like a golden era or working for, I mean, you've done a lot of work with Universal, you've done work with Warner Brothers, you've done work for so many different musicians and all that kind of thing. Do you approach them differently? Um, I, I'd like to say the approach is is exactly the same. Okay. I mean, the, the tone of voice that I would use and the language that I would use if I'm talking to someone who's from hip hop, is going to be different to someone in the, in a corporate space. Certainly. Um, and sometimes I, I got to, you know, I slip up. And yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but but in terms of like the actual, what you're actually there to do, um, it's exactly the same. You know, it's it, essentially it's problem solving. Yeah. You know, they, the client comes to you with a, something they want to communicate. Um, a problem, problem sort of maybe a negative way of 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 putting it it's not not these things aren't problems necessarily but you're trying to solve a problem you're trying to communicate something That's and cool. and figure out the best way to um to solve the problem for your client to to reach their 
you know, reach their market or, or communicate whatever it is that they're trying to communicate to their market. So in, in, in essence, it's absolutely no different from yeah. the most corporate of corporate to the most, you know, crazy out there, hectic, artistic, whatever, yeah. um, kind of album cover or, you know, movie poster or whatever. Like it's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How do you – sorry. Where the – yeah, sorry, man. Like, I mean, where the pro- – where the process changes the most is that not all clients are the same. So, um, you know, um, some some clients are, are a bit more specific about what they want, and yeah. some are just very open to your you just. They, they're, some clients are just straight up like, "I'm not creative. Mm. I trust you. I like your work. Just do it." Yeah, and. That, that doesn't always yield the best results, but it's obviously that gives you a, a certain freedom to mm. just go nuts and do something. Um, I think the collaborative ones usually yield the best results, yeah. but all the collaborative ones where they, because a client always knows their their market and their brand or, or their what they're trying to achieve better than, than I do, yeah. they should, um, but, but I might know or have a few ideas of a better way to, to reach that market that maybe might be a little bit more of a, um, a lateral way of thinking or a different approach that they wouldn't have had. Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I no, think that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, certainly, dude. Like, <clears throat> how do you, like, from concept to create, like, sort of from concept to creation, man, like, how do you, how do you go about the, the communication of a brand? Like, how do you... If you sit with a new artist or, you, I mean, even an established artist that are looking to rebrand or looking to change their logo, how, what, what do you advise that they do? How do you sort of go about, I mean, translating that? And then is there any sort of brand management that kind of follows what you do in terms of your creativity and how you invest in, you know, be it corporate, be it contemporary? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, the first the first part of that question, the answer is it's it's all about communication yes. and kind of, you know, just just free flowing conversation and and sort of getting a getting into their heads and getting getting an idea of what again what the problem is that we're trying to solve or what mm. we're what we're trying to communicate mm. and so, so it's always you know it doesn't always have to be a sit down meeting or even a phone conversation sometimes it. You know, because not all projects are super complex. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can just be a few key questions over email, and it's like, yeah, I know, I know your market, I know what you're about. Um, your answers to these few key questions will really sort of, you know, inform inform our sort of our approach. And um, you know, um, sometimes it's as simple as things like like certain people. Um, just hate certain colours. Some, yeah. some some people just hate fucking serif fonts instead of yeah. you know like yeah. like it, you got to sort of nut all that sort of stuff out. Um, but uh, what was the second part of your question? Uh, the, like I suppose ongoing management, the ongoing management of yeah. a brand. Once sort of once you kind of have that conversation and you know what you know, it's it's a huge part of it is getting into their head and, and communicating and being able to. Just have an open conversation about stuff, um, and and usually that sort of reveals what kind of person you're working with as well. Some some people are like really open, and and others are sort of guarded and nervous about doing things. And and um, some sometimes it doesn't pay to sort of push those clients too far and push them into 
territory where they feel uncomfortable. Mm. Um, this this is people's business, you know. Like they they if they sort of understand where they're at and what their market is, like it's our job to to enhance that, not to shake things up yeah, and right. get them worried about a direction we might be going in, unless we feel really strongly about how it could really offer a huge benefit to the client. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's stage one and once you get into it and we do our thing and we, we come back with concepts and we, you know, often we do, we put a lot of work into that initial stage. So hopefully when we go away and work on stuff, we're not sort of spending too much time going down the wrong path before we um, present our first concept. Yeah, and that's, that's like, that's mad important when you're working with small business and when you're working with independent artists because... You know, they don't have the budget for you to do five or six concepts. Like True. most of the time, we've got to nail it. We've got to nail it on the first go. Yes. You know, it's we build by the hour and that's the way that it works. You know, the, the time is the value. And um, so putting more time into that initial stage to make sure we're not wasting time. Yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, that, and that's really crucial for because some clients don't, some people don't get that. Um, from a perspective of they don't want to, they don't want to say anything too specific because they don't want to, they don't feel like they don't want to impose themselves into the into the um, exchange that we're having. But it's actually crucial. It's yeah. it, particularly when you've got very minimal budget, unless you're just completely trusting and you don't care what it, what comes back. And it's like, I love your shit. I don't care. I know you'll nail it. I trust you 100%. And then it's like, all right, sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, in terms of ongoing management, again, it depends on the client. Like if typically the bigger the client, the more ongoing management there is. Mm. Um, they have the budget for us to sort of be the ambassadors for the band, uh, for the brand and to oversee things and make sure every aspect of the rollout is, is on point and exactly the way that we sort of specify it in a, in a style guide or, a, you know, brand guidelines, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, you know, we work with a lot of small business and a lot of indie artists where it's like, we just want you to do the top line stuff, the main sort of graphics, and then flick us the templates and we'll handle the rest in house because we don't have the budget to pay you to, to do all that extra stuff. And if, you know, everyone's kind of got Photoshop these days or whatever. And, and if they, if you have the capacity to do that in house, yeah. um, you know, that's a, it's a way of saving some money. Um, obviously, when that happens, it helps if the person who's who's taking over it has a, has a decent eye, and we try and help with that as much as possible. Mm. Um, sometimes you you end up seeing versions of your artwork that have been updated, you know, on massive street posters, and you're like, God damn it, <laughs> busted, you know. Yeah. Um, that's a bit crushing, but it's just part of the business, and you just got to accept it. So yeah, that's yeah. it. What is it? What what's um what's involved in the pitch? Like in terms of when you're bringing a, a whole new concept to a company or to an artist or to whoever, what is in what what goes into the the pitch itself? So like you know the what's I mean your individual investment in that how do you how do you go about that like how do you where does that sort of creativity come from what do you draw from and then how do you translate that into the pitch um yeah I mean again it's it's really a a, a project by project basis the way that mm. that pro process works yeah um but but again it you know it's sort of just like what I what I just mentioned or just touched on it's it's about that 
sort of, you know, really articulating and understanding what the what the problem is that we're trying to solve. Yeah. And then we, we go away and if, if we feel comfortable, like, yeah, we've got a, answers to some key questions, we go away and we start working up artwork. So if it's, you know, a brand for a small business, for example, which we do a lot of, we'll, we'll create a logo, we'll create a colour suite, um, you know, and a, a fonts and, a, and an accompanying font suite for all, all sort of um, promo materials. Often it's, you know, might be some stationery in a website or something like that. Mm, yep. so you go away and you sort of do the, you don't sort of flesh everything out, but you, but we typically work, we, we don't like sort of um, uh, presenting things that are too raw, mm. um, that are too much in the sketch sort of phase because sometimes people can't sort of visualise where it's going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you start to get into this back and forth process of, of refining a sketch. I mean, and again, it depends on what the, what the project is. Yeah. But uh, uh, often we, I find that that sort of, it actually wastes um, time and money yeah. um, doing it that way. We, we try and try and alleviate that, that expense in the first stage of, of sort of really getting an understanding of what we're trying to do so that the first presentation, the first concept is, you know, we can absolutely hang our hat on that this is on brief. It's this a winner. is what for. And, you know, if you don't like it, that's fine because it's it, design is subjective and then yeah. we talk through what you don't like about it. There's something that maybe wasn't identified in the initial um, discussion that now we know, you yeah. know, as yeah, a yeah, result yeah. of that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the process typically. And, you know, that's in a nutshell, that's the same, whether it's an album cover or a website or a brand, you know, like a, a logo brand package. Yeah, no, certainly. And I like because I've sort of been on the periphery of a lot of it like throughout time, like um, DJ Decide who used to run Carcinogenics and things like that. He um, He's a graphic designer by trade, works for – well, you know, has worked for numerous companies and stuff and I've sort of seen it and I've always like – I've always maintained an interest in that side of things because I think – visually like branding is essentially every is essential well in large part in this day and age it is a huge element of what we all do you know like you have to have a brand that people want to engage with even if it's uh even if it's like personal branding even if it's just the way you dress or anything like that you know i mean it's it, that's non that's uh sort of non-verbal communication i suppose but like yeah i just i've kind of always wondered what is involved in how you go to a client and what you take to them and how you create that from nothing or from you know as little as an email or just a phone conversation you know to me it's amazing man like and you know just some of the concepts like once again just go to april77creative.com and like look at what you know ben and his partner do but dude let's sort of go back so you leave uni and you go into graphic design from uni or do you go elsewhere do you travel what what happens there yeah it would so um from uni um uh, yeah, uni, I, I, I ended up getting a, um, a job with a, a design agency in Canberra, um, yep. Art Direction, Creative. Um, so I was actually working there for, during my last year of uni, um, so 2000 this is. Yes, yep. Um, and uh, I love to tell the story about how when my wife came through for a job interview and um, and I, I know, like, I didn't see a portfolio, but I was like, "Boss, you got a mad portfolio. You definitely got to hire her." Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
yeah. Anyway, so that's where I met met Nerida was working at, at Art Direction, and um, uh, about a year or two after that, we um, we decided to um, to move to Toronto, Canada, for a year on a on a working visa. Yeah, and. Yeah. And I mean, I'll weave the sort of, it's a massive part of this to me, but, um, you know, I, I think the reason I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now primarily and, and so passionate about it is because um, I had a third ACL injury um, playing, playing state league ball in Canberra just before we moved to Canada. And, and, and at that point, I'm like, all right, fuck this, I can't, can't keep doing this. So. Yeah. Basketball was sort of, it's still a huge passion of mine now to this day with, um, you know, with my daughters playing now and, and I'm coaching and um, I still just love the game. I still go and shoot, mm. you know, for an hour every week because it's just meditation for me, but I just can't can't play anymore because my knees are just completely fucked. Yeah, sure. Um, but but sort of, anyway, that, 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 that happened and that was sort of like, all right, what are we going to do? We want to travel. Let's go live in, in Canada for a year and, and you know, We'll go to as many rap shows as we can, and we'll just okay. just experience life over there. So we moved to Toronto, and um, we both got jobs at different design studios over there, and um, you know, really loved our time over there. And I was working for an agency called Bark and Hot Studio that did a lot of movie posters and um, just super creative work. The the, um, the art director there was a Polish dude named Tad, um, really eccentric, artistic cat. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was just awesome working under someone like that. I, I just learned so many techniques of, of just things that you could do to, to um, create texture and create um, different effects off the computer and then, um, and, and, you know, relief prints and all this kind of stuff that I learned while working there for him and, um, and, and how to sort of scan that stuff in and take it, take it back to the, to the digital realm and, and, and create artwork. So, yeah. That was sort of a year over there, and then we were like, "All right, fuck this. Minus thirty-five is way too cold." Jesus, another- really? Minus thirty-five? <laughs> fuck me! Yeah. Christ! Yeah, it's like we had the option of another uh, Canadian winter, or um, or come back for the Australian summer with mm. all of our friends. We were like, "All right, we're moving back." Yeah. So we came back after, and I got a job at uh, a studio again in Canberra. I moved back to Canberra. And I got a, got a job at um, a studio called Swell Design Group. And by this stage, well, actually, I've, I've glazed over a lot of this stuff, but, mm. you know, around this f- sort of a few years from sort of very late 90s, early 2000s, um, started to really uh, uh, recognise that there is a lot of dope Australian hip-hop around, you know, and this is a pretty early days, obviously Deathwish cast. Being from Canberra or living in Canberra for all those years, it was all about coolism. Um, uh, you know, the Culture Kings, um, obesity, and um, you know, all of these sort of. I, I know that they're not absolutely early records, but, um, oh, but you know, I was sort of this point. This. Yeah, this was the the stuff that I was buying at the time, and you could just tell that there was a a scene starting to bubble, mm. and. You know, I picked up a, a couple of albums and it seen this dude's name on the on the um, on the liner notes. I'm like, man, all these covers look dope. Who's the dude designing this shit? Uh, it's Mexi. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and, it, uh, and I moved. You know, and then I got this job at Swell Design Group. I thought Mexi was lived in um, 
in Melbourne because he was doing all the OB stuff. That's right. And my first, my first day at, at Swell Design Group, I walk in there and get introduced to the staff and fucking Mexi's one of the staff at this studio. <laughs> so I was like mad. Like, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of your work and you, yeah. you're a huge inspiration because you're designing for shit that I love. Like you're doing the damn thing for yeah. something that I'm passionate about. Yep. Um, so that was, you know, that was a little bit of a turning point and I've told him that before but – um, you know, Mexi's a really good mate of mine. He DJ'd at my wedding um, and is a huge inspiration. Um, and he's an amazing – he's also an amazing DJ too, isn't he? Amazing DJ. He's actually yeah. at Il MC. Oh, and, you yeah. Know, yeah. A duck rider as well. So, you know, yep. and just yep. – and, and more than anything, just a top low. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was kind of bugged out, like that, that that happened, you know, that I just ended up working in the same studio as, <laughs> as that dude. Um and uh, yeah, so we worked. Worked. I worked there for a, uh, almost two years, I think. Um, Mex was there for a year, and then he got offered the job at Obese and moved down to Melbs. Was um, he? Started well, if, I don't mean to interrupt, but was he freelancing a lot of that work, or because I mean he is responsible for a lot of those formative releases, a lot of the stuff that came through Obese later too. But was he freelancing that work, or was that work coming through the company? That, he was freelancing all yep. of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then Pegs just hit him up, you know, because he was doing so much work for them, and the label yeah. was building, and he was like, "Come down and, you know, work in house," um, which was a bit of a pay cut for him, but you know, followed his passion and did it. Yes. Um, and right around this time as well, I was, um, you know, I'm like, well, how can I get my my claws into this? You know, I want a piece of this. This is yeah. my passion. Um, so I was on the stealth boards and I saw Mark Pollard had posted, um, you know, uh, interested in getting a graphic designer on board to help with the magazine. You know, mm. stealth, obviously, you know, it's it's our original Australian hip-hop mag. Like, yeah, 100%. Uh, in, other than vapors and stuff, but in terms yeah, yeah, of, certainly. you know. Yeah, yeah. Vapors um, hype, but yeah, definitely stealth. I mean, yeah, what, that, what they did over the course of, what, how many issues? 12, 13 issues or something? Like, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, with you know, with obviously a huge focus on, on, um, uh, on the music side of the culture as much as the graph and everything else. So, Certainly. Um, uh, and you know, I met with Mark. I moved. I, just trying to think. I, I think I actually travelled up to Sydney to meet with him. Um, and you know, I, I dealt with it like it was a straight up job interview. Mm. I brought my portfolio, which at the time consisted of a bit of corporate stuff. You know, some of my stuff from Canada, which was, you know, had a bit of flair in it and whatever, and some self-directed stuff. I think I'd done, I, I'd only done a little bit of music-related work at that point for like an R&B group from Canberra and, you know, like nothing like too staunchly hip-hop at all. Yeah. Um, but we sat down, I showed him a book and, and we just talked about hip-hop. Yeah. And um, you know, it was just, we just connected like he's, you know, still still a great mate to this day. I still do work for him to this day. Um, we just connected straight away, just, uh, you know, um, a passion for the culture, but more than anything, just a top bloke. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that, that, you know, that was really my gateway into it, into doing artwork for hip-hop in this country. Um, and um, things kind of very rapidly snowballed from there. There were just opportunities popping up left and right. I think I did the hijack and torture cover 
not long after that, and I yep. think Bones, Bones might have got at me via the stealth boards as well. Yeah. Um, I remember doing, um, like, just some some banner ads and stuff for Art of War for the first chapter. Oh, word. Um, which, you know, I, mean, I was a mad fan of theirs. Yeah. Um, the first chapter is such a killer album. Nice, oh, don't I, I think I spent, like, like on a fucking flash banner ad that just went on the Oz hip hop side. I probably spent, oh, I spent so long on it. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure it's right. I was just so, so g to be doing this shit, you yeah, know, like, dude, yeah. um, and I ended up doing their website and other stuff and, um, uh, and, and, you know, Mexi by this stage is working down at obese. And, and it, so he put me onto pegs like, get Benny to do the new obese website. So I did the obese website. And um, during all of that time, like if there was any overflow of work, Mex Mex would would send it my way for Mm. um, obese stuff. And then once you're doing stuff for a few sort of key artists like that, there were just, there were other smaller artists getting at me to do stuff. And um, I think um, not long after that, Phrase hit me up because, or Flago hit me up, uh, DJ Flagrant hit me up by way of, well, Phrase had seen the the hijack and torture stuff, and he just loved that artwork. Yeah. So, um, and Phrase is obviously signed to Universal, um, and ended up doing that whole album campaign and all the singles and websites and flash um, uh, promo mini sites for all of the singles and just like a huge amount of work back Fun. then. They had budget, you know, for a yeah. release. Yeah. And. It was it was killer, you know. It was such a good time. Yeah, certainly. Um, but it, that, those early years, it just just work was just coming thick and fast. And um, anyway, so uh, we we moved from um, we moved from I left that job at Swell after a, a couple of years, and then Nerido actually got offered a job at a uh, marketing company up in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen for a change. So we just moved up and, you know, she was going away to her job and at this stage I'm doing all this other hip-hop work and there was enough for me where it was like this is actually keeping me busy and, you know, it's generating an income. So I was just chilling at the at the crib basically on the on the dinner table doing artwork for hip-hop at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, I was going for job interviews and stuff and I got offered a couple of jobs up in Sydney um, but I was just too busy, too busy to go, you know, to go to take anything and I yeah. was more passionate about what I was doing at home. So I just stuck with it. And, um, you know, to, to fast forward much faster, it just sort of, we started to sort of also um, land a few corporate jobs as well outside of the hip hop stuff. But uh, I would say at this stage, it was about 80% hip hop work. Wow. And, you know, and music related stuff. Yeah. So I'm in my element just going, man, this is the fucking best. Like I'm so, so happy. Yeah. Dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and then the corporate stuff started to build and one of those, you know, one job would lead to another. And um, then after doing the obese records website, I remember getting the call from Suffer um, and I was just at, at the, at my apartment and um you know, he he called me up and he was like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> from a from a group you might have heard of us called the Hilltop Hoods." And I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, and 
and he was like, you know, can you um, can you build a, a website to help us promote the hard road? And you know, I'm a mad fan of theirs. Obviously, by this stage, this is after the calling and, and yep. whatever. And um, I still still talk about the first time I saw them live at the Holy Grail in Canberra. I think the the venue is 500 capacity. Um, we just got back from Canada and seen you know the roots and I don't know like every every hip hop act every like sort of um, incredible hip hop act that you yeah. can think of in the states we yeah. seen came back and saw saw the saw the hoods at um, at the Holy Grail in Canberra 500 people and I'd never seen crowd surfing in a rap show before yeah fine. and and those those dudes has had complete control of the crowd it was the illest most fun show ever. And they just destroyed it, and um, and yeah, like a you know a year or two later, I'm getting called up to do the the website to to promote their new album. It's fucking dope. And yeah, so you know, much like the Art of War Flash banner, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just fucking poured everything into that thing, and it was all it was Flash, it was all animated. You rolled over the navigation, and these little chain things sort of popped down with the you know, the, the names of the pages and whatever and everything animated and there were swords and all this shit flying around. Um, <laughs> I just poured so much time and just so much passion into that. Dude, and, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, we're still working with them to this day, which is pretty incredible when they just, you know, played Kudos Bank Arena a few weeks back and, um, you know, the, the, and they packed it out. That's so it's it, crazy. Uh... No, it's it's amazing, dude. And I mean, we'll get into some of that. But I, I mean, I suppose while we're still sort of in the formative stages before, like you know, before uh, I mean, you've started touching on where April '77, um, you know, uh, the company starts, where you start going into the company with your with your wife and stuff like that. But before we get there, dude, I mean, you sent me through a list of some of the albums that uh, you know really influence you visually, musically, the whole bit. Let's go through some of those so we can kind of build that, you know, sort. Of build that that visual of where you sort of go and one of those albums dude is um well miles davis bitches brew you know we'll go through a couple of them but i mean bitches brew bro like when i was you know when i sussed the cover of that and checked it out like man so like i, I see where you've kind of i don't know i kind of see the lineage of development in your own style from that one cover also and we'll get into the others but dude can you speak on that like the bitch miles davis bitches brew Man, it, it, first of all, that, that's just crazy that you um, see any of that in, in my work. Oh, 100%, um, dude, 100%. Like even going into um, like, you know, if I was to compare, um, oh, fuck, um, the Oyobi release or um, what else, the, the, the corporate work you did for Mighty Jungle even, you know, like I just see sort of elements of that bitch's brew in that almost, you know? Yeah, well, definitely like the um, – and that's it's sort of the surreal, the surreal um, uh, sort of touches in that for yeah, sure. So I mean, yeah, surreal definitely. Yeah, like Bitches Brew, um, uh, Live Evil is another Miles Davis record done by the same artist. Um, yeah. I, I'll probably fuck up the pronunciation, but it's Mati Klawain. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely fucking that up. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. he, he also did the. Um, uh, the uh, Abraxas cover for Santana. Okay, well, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I'm literally looking at all of those covers here. I've got the the Bitches Brew one. I've got as a as a print on my wall in this in the room that I'm currently sitting in, and um, 
that was on the wall while I was working on that Iobi cover. Amazing. <laughs> and, you Amazing. know, I definitely think that that inspiration has fed into that. I mean, that's Oyobi is a is an Afro-Colombian sort of um, uh, like electronic stuff type shit isn't it yeah electronic stuff yeah exactly yeah. so you know definitely it's sort of touching on 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 um all of those sort of elements in the in the design um did you see that album as a kid did you pick up on that as like as a kid or when you got older i think um when i was uh, i mean my introduction to jazz was definitely around um was was a absolute 100 percent byproduct of um early 90s hip-hop yeah me too um, me too if it weren't for Tribe and, you know, pretty much Tribe, to yeah. be honest, but a few other groups around that time, yeah. um, I wouldn't have found jazz. Mm. And that's like I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to my wife about this earlier today. Like I'm so passionate about so many different genres of music. Like I, I don't, you know, really not one of those people that likes um, a scene or a, a um, you know, fucking – I don't know, uh, just being sort of dictated to in any way of yeah. like this is what you're into, into, so this is the way you have to be. Yep. And and and, that, and that's completely because of hip hop, you know. Yep. Like it's yep. it, it's it's all about the reason I got into it initially. I think was because most people where I come from were into cold chisel. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> and, and the and the bugged out thing is now is that I fuck with cold chisel now. But, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't, dude. I still fucking hate pub rock, man. Like I fuck with rock music. I fuck, but just that pub rock shit. Like uh, I don't know, man. I still I just can't fuck with chisel. I can't fuck with a lot of that sort of shit. Eh? I don't know, man. There's something about it. It's just yeah. It's just still. <laughs> I feel you. I, I think you know, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm just wired this way or, yeah. or what. But I actually think that part of the reason I, I started to appreciate chisel. Well, first of all, because I heard it nonstop as a kid, so those melodies are just fucking ingrained in your head. Oh, of course, but, of course. But secondly, because now I'm so immersed in hip-hop culture and most of the people that I know are like, God, I've, you can't fuck with that. That's terrible. Turn it off. And I'm like, well, you know what? That makes me want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude, for real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so, so that's sort of going back there is when I started to sort of build my jazz collection as well. Yeah. And um, – and I must admit, like early on, it was just the the more accessible stuff, like Miles Davis kind of blue, and um, you know the, the the jazz that's not that fucking avant garde and, and um, yeah, and certainly crazy. like. Yeah, definitely, like the elementary, like those sort of elementary releases almost, like the, you know, like for me it's like, you know, hearing James Brown and all that sort of shit, but I, like I fuck with it heavy, you know, as an adult, but I only got into it off the back of hip-hop releases and then more so when I started digging vinyl, you know. So as I started yeah. digging for records, I gained a greater uh, a greater appreciation for it more so, you know. A hundred percent for sure. Yeah. And, and as, you know, as you know, you, you start to um, you start to identify different musicians on the back of records. Absolutely. And, and like I'm not a producer, you know, like mm. but but I would look for records that have Ron Carter on the back because yeah. – uh, Ron, Ron Carter's on the bass, you know, yeah, like yeah. Ron, Ron, from that, from that, from the low end theory. Yep. And 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 you know those bass lines are just unfuckwinnable. Not dude, and, yeah. And and then you see his name on the back of a Gil Scott Heron record, and you're like, it makes you focus on that that instrument specifically, and yep. you know, and it's just a rabbit hole. Like yeah. it just draws you into the rabbit hole of music and culture and 
just it, it gives you a, a sort of direction, I guess, for what to look for. Yeah. And that that completely flows into also what's on the cover. Mm. So, you know, you're digging through vinyl racks and whatever, and you're looking at at the covers and and looking at the artwork, and and it's a you know, I bought so many records just purely off the strength of of the cover. Especially cover art, cheap. hey, yeah, a hundred percent, bro, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, as far as bitches brew and and live uh, live evil and and Abraxas, you know, that I didn't sort of I I was aware of all of those albums, and I don't know that I'd necessarily connected the dots on that it was even the same artist. Yeah. Um, that did all of those. I think I've I've started to sort of dig more into that in more recent years, um, and just sort of um, you know seeing seeing the full catalogue of what some of these incredible artists and designers have actually done over the years, and and just like you're like, oh fuck, man, I I, I love that cover. I've looked at it for hours on end, yeah. And I just sort of back then I wasn't really looking at the designer credits, you know. It just wasn't I wasn't thinking like that when I was that many years ago so yeah 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 but it, but also in saying that it was kind of like an initial engage the the artwork may have been as you just said like the initial engagement that made you want to listen to the record and you know i uh another well another another couple of records that you um uh, that you sent through that I can that I also definitely identify with is um, Public Enemy It Takes a Nation of Millions and Fear of a Black Planet and I can say off the bat man like fuck like you know when I first saw It Takes a Nation of Millions all I wanted to do was hear the music that that album contained like the the artwork I think it's Glenn Friedman with the photography and then Fear of a Black Planet which was uh, Key Adams I think you know like I sort of I take Fear of a Black Planet over It Takes a Nation of Millions personally just being my age I'm 38 you know so like Fear of a Black Planet was kind of relatively new when I was getting into hip hop and shit like that and Brother's Gonna Work It Out and all that kind of thing. But I don't think uh, a group really captured that whole visual element and the branding, like, you know, sort of beyond Def Jam and what Def Jam did in terms of branding and all that kind of shit with their logo and all that kind of thing. But speak on Public Enemy. Yeah, man. Well, you just nailed it. I mean, to me, um, and it's no surprise that Chuck D – I believe studied graphic design. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, he, he designed that logo. Um, he, um, you know, from everything from that the logo, the covers, as you just said, the mm. Glenny Friedman um, photo, which is just like as iconic as you'll ever Isn't ever it? see. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and both of those covers, and I'm the same as you. I remember, man, Pterodome. They had the for whatever reason. Uh, Pterodome on Rage was instrumental, and I yeah. think it's something to do with the lyrics in the, in the song. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, just as a kid, like what a track! Like, oh, dude. And, yeah, and 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 the, and the video that accompanied it with all of the the live footage and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And if we're talking about branding, I mean, damn, like like the the stage production, the S1Ws doing their thing on stage, the way they had. Um, you know, the logo in front of Terminator X on, on the DJ booth and that was elevated. Yeah. And the way that they sort of, um, everything was set up on stage with all these different things to look at. And and then you had Chuck just like staunch as fuck, just, oh, just killed. The and voice, then you, got you know, that booming but, voice and the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, man. Yeah, the commanding booming voice. Yeah. And then, you know, in a Raiders jacket and a Raiders hat, and, and even Chuck used to rock the little mini clock back in the day. Yeah, I, yeah, true. I, exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
And then you got Flav, the the bugged out dude doing the crazy, you know, flavor dance. Yep. Uh, it, like how that's their brand. Yeah. Everything about that is is their image and their brand. It's not just the logo. It's not just the album cover. It's the whole package. And they they did it. I don't think anyone. The the only uh, sort of I, things that I um, artists that I think compare to that in terms of a whole cohesive brand package as well as just being music that's just absolutely fucking incredible mm. um you know it's not just a brand with no, no substance behind it you know um would be would be a group like kiss or yeah. Uh, yeah. you know like maybe yeah. something like iron maiden or something which you know because they've they've sort of got a, a visual that's so strong and they've used it so consistently throughout their whole their whole career, dude. That's and, a, and that's an. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's an amazing parallel right there. Kiss or Iron Maiden, yeah. I, I fuck hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. I never even thought of it along those lines. Like, yeah, a hundred percent, man. The way the way Iron Maiden Kiss sold the image, you know, like, and obviously Public Enemy were more than image. That was substance as well, you know. Like it was substance. It was style. It was so much. But yeah, a hundred percent, dude. And you know, when you put on an Iron Maiden record or a Kiss record, it sounded like what you were looking at on the cover you know like yeah i get that 100 percent. yeah for sure for sure and, and it captured you know a, for, for me the kiss records my uncles were mad into kiss mm. so yeah, yeah. this is before this i don't know how how old i was very young but i remembered like digging through their record crate not because i was going to necessarily put the records on and listen i mean there's, there would have been stuff on but it was for me it was about like who the fuck are these guys like yeah yeah like, yeah, 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 yeah definitely they, yeah <laughs> Um, like that's that's captivating, you know. Yep. Um, yep. And PE obviously did that to the to the fullest extent. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are other artists in in hip hop um, that that have incredible incredible brands like Wu Tang and, and all the rest. But yeah. I don't think anyone's matched PE. And nah. and the fact that um, the lead MC was the spearhead of all of that, and he was studying graphic design, and he was a visual person, but also happens to be one of the hardest MCs ever to touch the mic. Yep. You know, I think that whole package, particularly for those first four albums, is just, you know, incredible absolutely yeah. incredible yeah i i agree i agree a hundred percent dude a hundred percent and yeah it seemed like <clears throat> yeah knowing that chuck d does have a history in graphic design and that sort of thing and then also i think um was flav in radio early on and like you know i think they, they might have both been in radio early on also but yeah. like yeah you kind of see how important the visual aspect was as you said the s1w's marching around on stage you know you had professor griff early on and then again later on but like just that the album covers man like and it matched the cacophony of noise that the bomb squad production was you know like there was just so there was layers to everything beyond you know like i remember being a kid and going to the library and flicking through like the dewey decimal system trying to work out who lewis farrakhan was man like you know like off the back yeah. of a public enemy record i had no fucking clue you know and we didn't have the internet or anything like that and i remember being in the library going through encyclopedias just trying to work out who these people were man like the shit was fucking unbelievable to me yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, the the Bomb Squad production, like, is there anything more creative? Oh, you know, dude. Than what did? Yeah. And, and and I didn't when I was a kid listening to it, I didn't understand at all what they were doing. No, in, nor in did I. No. Sound. I had no concept of, at all of how that was put together. Yeah. I was just listening to it, going, "Fuck, this makes me feel something that I've never felt before." Like, yeah. it's just incredible. Yeah. Um. Now understanding it, 
you know, this uh, in later life and sort of, you know, seeing docos and all the rest of it on how they did it, it makes me just appreciate it even that much more. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. Yeah. Absolutely. And particularly what was involved, like, you know, just the, the amount of records that they would use on one song or, you know, like, and the fact that the Bomb Squad uh, are kind of like, I mean, they were almost like the first um, super producers in a way because I think in 1991 they had three albums, three full-length albums in the top ten. And I think this was the top ten globally. So they had, uh, I think, Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. They had Cube's America's Most and they had Fear of a Black planet all topping yeah. the charts at the same time you know and they were behind all those releases beyond everything else like they worked with so many fucking other people too but yeah just the what they i don't know what they achieved as a group and like once again just the visual aspect like it just to me it made me want to fucking you know like they're one of the first groups i ever sort of got into you know and i still fuck with them today yeah mad yeah i am wow what those three albums holy shit yeah bro Crazy. yeah Crazy. absolutely you, you, gotta have, you gotta have some bbd you know, you got to have oh, a dude. little, little yeah. <laughs> man. Like, you can't just be militant and staunch all the fucking time. No, nah, that's <laughs> it, dude. You need to dance to some shit too. <laughs> but, you know, another another album, which is actually another uh, huge favourite and actually uh, EPMD, dude, Business as Usual, which is actually my favourite EPMD album ever. And I agree 100% in terms of the cover. Like that, that um, uh, do you know who the cover art's by? Because I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up beforehand. But yeah. I'll, I'll fuck up the um, pronunciation again. It's Bill Bill Sienkiewicz. Okay, Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a very hard name to pronounce. I might be. Yeah, could be wrong on that, but um, he's a prolific um, comic artist. Yes, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of. Um, he's sort of really well known for his his run on the New Mutants. If you're an X Men kind of okay. um, like me, uh, but just a really sort of scratchy, expressive style of artwork that i just love i've got a um i've got a graphic novel that he did of um the life of Jimi hendrix mm. and it's just incredible like google it you can probably pick it up for 30 bucks and it's well worth just getting Sick. um but yeah he also he's he's just he's done so much dope stuff he's still active now yeah um he, he actually did the um bobby digital cover as well ah um, really that was him wow yeah, yeah, that was him. And I think he made – there's probably a couple of others well-known covers as well, but those are the, the two that really – but, yeah, business as usual. I mean, that cover, absolutely phenomenal. I don't even think at the time – I don't even think I knew that the artist of that was the was the same guy that I was reading in the comic books. You know, yeah. I don't know that I connected that. I think I connected the dots on that much later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, you also got the EPMD logo in there by Eric Hayes, exactly. Which, I mean, uh, much like the Public Enemy logo, like it doesn't get more much more iconic than that logo. Yep, hundred yep, um, percent. Yeah, just love that. And you know, the layout by the drawing board, the Def, Def Jam sort of in-house design team that did all the all the the layout and typography and stuff on the Public Enemy releases as well for the first three albums. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that EPMD record's my favourite as well. Red Man's first appearance. Yeah, true. Yeah, a stellar and also a stellar LL Cool J performance on Rampage. Oh, like you know, yeah. fuck. Yeah. So dope. So fucking. Dope. Yeah. So obviously, your favourite covers, if they happen to also adorn your favourite albums, it makes you love them that much more. Oh, absolutely, dude. And yeah, I fucking um until you just mentioned it, then I forgot that that is a Def Jam release. That that album, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. And fucking, I mean, in terms of branding and, you know, I mean, who, who re- I mean, you know, there is countless labels of that era, let's be honest, like the Rap-A-Lots, the uh, even Ruthless. I mean, there's countless fucking labels, but Def Jam, I mean, who really did branding and like, you know, just that def- in terms of definitive logos within hip hop, that's got to be the, that's got to be the one, you know, the Def Jam logo. Definitely for dudes of our era. I mean, yeah. like, um, you know, the LL Cool J records. Oh, bro. Um, yeah. I Everything. Think, uh, it's just the, the photography, like, the, you know, Lenny Friedman, like you mentioned before. I mean, just the images of these personalities and, yep. um, you know, the Dapper Dan suits. I mean, Eric B and Rakim probably my favourite group. Yeah. Um, or, you know, right up there with Public Enemy. But, you yep. know, those albums, like, those dudes just look like um, – I don't know. They looked untouchable. Like yeah, dude. they yeah. they represented something that just wasn't normal. You don't see people like that just walking the streets. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> well, they captured and, and you. They, they captured your imagination, didn't they? Like it was sort of like, man, and you know, we saw them of an age, or you know, we saw them when we were of an age, and it was like, fuck, man, like what is this? How do you, be, you know, I, I don't know. How do you? Yeah, it was just everything. Yeah, you aspire to that. You want yes. to be yeah that fucking cool <laughs> yeah yeah man yeah yeah it's fun it's funny because i was looking at um i've been looking at album covers and i was thinking of some of my own favorites and i just thought like you know you mentioned wu-tang before but ghostface iron man cover like for me like it's as simple as the three of them it's capadonna raekwon and ghostface standing on the cover but just the fucking colors and just everything and i don't necessarily think that that cover mir- mirrors the music on the album even though it is one of my favorite wu-tang releases like oh, i love that ghost's debut iron man is fucking up there but just you know that that yeah i don't know just the colors the fucking clothing everything man like you know i don't know there's there's a thought that goes into that to me you know like there's a there's a science behind selling that yeah 100 percent for sure you know ray's first record as well oh, and, and bro. Oh, yeah but all those early ones um i i love meth's first um first album but yeah. also the artwork on that you know like yeah. that's a dark fucking grimy record and the cover r- reflects that yeah 100 percent, um, man 100 percent. odb's first album with the you know with the card on the front yeah like the pension card or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah incredible yeah, yeah absolutely so dude well, fuck, dude. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll get, we'll go back through. We'll, you know, because there's a couple of other albums that I'd like to touch on with you. But I mean, the forming of April '77, dude. That's the year. I mean, you were born in '77. Uh, you and your wife, April. You were born in April of 1977. Um, yep. The formation of your company, man. Like, you know, you were, you two were both getting a lot of work. I mean, you were getting a lot of work independently, working with hip hop and stuff like that. But when did you decide to come together and sort of, you know, build the company? Yeah. So. Um Sort of right there when uh, you know I was I was kind of working in my jocks on the dinner table and, and Ned's was going to work every day at a, at a studio <laughs> at a real job. Um, it, it just the client base. I guess not long after the hoods, we got the call from the hoods, and uh, at the same time there was a, a steady stream of corporate work um, that was starting to kind of build. And Ned's narrative was also bringing, excuse me, was also bringing in work as well, and she was sort of doing bits and pieces in in overtime after she'd leave her other job Um, and that was starting to sort of snowball um, to the extent that uh, we you know it was just getting a bit ridiculous like I'd be calling her in the middle of the day when she's at her other job to get her feedback on a design or whatever and we were essentially working together and then she's working so much overtime 
um, that we, we really had no other choice. It was like, well, either we need to start turning work away or we, you need to come on full time and we need to start doing this as a, you know, as a proper business with the yep. two of us. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she gave a notice at the other job and, and we moved to a, we actually um, sublet a, 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 well, just rented a couple of desks uh, a room in actually one of our clients' um, studios or spaces in Surrey Hills. Okay. So it kind of gave us this facade that we were like <laughs> in this pretty, yeah, this pretty sweet kind of studio in Surrey yeah. Hills that there's no way in the world we could have afforded to be in. Um, <laughs> but really we were just paying, you know, fuck all rent to, to basically be in this small room in their really awesome space and they had a – I had a pool table downstairs and a, and a mad kitchen and a meeting room and all this stuff. And, you know, I'd, I'd have hip-hop dudes through there and they'd be looking at me like, damn, you're killing it. Like, you're, you're doing it. Shit. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> doing it. <laughs> appearances could be deceiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in yeah. saying that, in saying that, when you know that, you know, you know how much br- well branding or essentially like the image behind brand, I mean, dude, you're pushing it, you're selling it. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I was happy to keep that as ambiguous as possible. Yeah, um, <laughs> no doubt. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all kicked off, and um, you know, I remember being in that studio in Surrey Hills when we um, when we did um, State of the Art for the Hoods and and with Universal, which up to that point that was by far the biggest campaign album campaign that we'd ever done for any artist. Um, it might have been the biggest album campaign for any artist in the hip-hop genre in this country up to that point, actually. Like, can, it was massive. Can you go um, into what was involved in, in you know, in what, your, your involvement in that campaign? Yeah, I mean, like like any album campaign where you've got um, your, your album packaging, um, this the, the cover artwork was done by John Engelhart, who's, a, who's done all of the Hood's artwork um, since they were, you know, from the very first release mm-hmm. um, up until this year's one, the most recent one, which um, we did everything on the most recent one. Yeah. But uh, John John Engelhardt is an incredible artist, you know, incredible talent and a close friend of, of the Hoods from way back from school. Um, so he, he did that and supplied us with that asset. Um, we got some incredible photography supplied by an agency in Sydney called Mathematics and basically we were given those assets and everything else was us from um, a fully interactive flash website. um, We did a huge run of flash banner ads, a huge street poster campaign, um, huge street press campaign. I mean, like it's basically what you do on any album release, but like just way more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And a couple of, I think we did a couple of versions like there were, you know, JB Hi-Fi versions that had extra tracks and um, the vinyl was gatefold and had all these special processes and um, spot gloss varnishes and different stuff like that um, that made it a little bit more than just like a standard kind of release. Yeah. Um, but there was budget and Universal were, were um, and it paid off, you know. Um, and, you know, the album did incredibly well and um, just – we were so in the trenches with the whole team on that. And, you know, when um, we we got a platinum record sent to us by the label. Yeah, you know, unreal. Yeah, like it was just incredible, man. Like um, 
still to this day, I, I, you know, I've got it up on the wall at home and it's it's just such, it was such a great thing to be a part of. And, you know, to think that um, it sort of started out as just, you know, our passion for hip hop and these guys, their passion for hip hop and where they'd taken it um, to get to that point and for us to be helping and be a part of that team and be acknowledged as part of the team and, and have a, you know, a platinum record on the wall. It's just awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely dude. awesome. Yeah, unbelievable, man. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable work and the consistency through the artwork, also like sort of through <clears throat> through their releases. Yeah, it's it's dope, dude. It's dope, and it, I I would imagine like it was that one of the earlier projects you worked on when you formed April seventy seven Creative. Um. Well, n not really. I mean, we. I don't know what year it was now off the top of my head, yeah, but no. um, like we'd been we've been you know doing it since um, sort of uh, two thousand and two, okay, two thousand and three. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of that's really when it kind of I, I started as a freelancer, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, around two thousand two two thousand and three. But but as in terms of April seventy seven creative as a full time thing, like with me and Ned's in that studio. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like so, so really, April '77 existed for a couple of years before that. As in, you know, we had the the, the dot com. We had a business registered. Um, I was working under that moniker as a freelancer on the side on weekends and stuff, even while I was working in at, at um, another agency in Canberra for that little period. Like that, it existed as a thing, um, but as a full time thing with me and Ned's in our own dedicated space. That was 2004, and and yeah, State of the Art was one of the. Well, I don't know if it was the first project, but it was you one know it was in ones. that first. Yeah, yeah, it was in that. Yeah. Has dude, I've just I've got a general sort of question for you. The the way we engage with music today, I mean, it's changed. I mean, it's fucking moved so rapidly, almost exponentially over the past, you know, even just the past 10 years or, you know, even the past five years, let's say, you know, has that changed the way you approach the presentation of that music? You know, like, you, and uh, I mean, I suppose we're focusing on music because you do so much more. You do a lot of corporate design and stuff, and I do want to touch on that. But like in terms of when you approach the music, like beyond, beyond, you know, doing like, you know, beyond the artists that are doing the gatefold releases or the vinyl releases or whatever, you know, music these days is largely engaged with in on digital platforms. We stream it, we have it on our phone. Do you approach the design of that music any differently due to that? Um, oh, it's a really good question. And um, if it were up to me, I wouldn't approach it any differently at all. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I, I, my understanding and perception of that is that artists typically that are only releasing their albums digitally, not always, but often don't don't place the same value on their artwork. Yeah. You know, um, because yeah. you're not seeing it in a physical form, um, and you know there are obviously huge financial pressures on artists as well. Like yeah. it's it's a, it's not an easy way to make money. Um, Unless you're touring and and and, and making money from touring, that's right. Um, so you know, for me to spend a week on an album cover that's only only going to be a digital release or a mixtape release, um, either I have to fucking love the music and just mm. want to do it, mm. um, and literally not charge for yeah. my time, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or it's just not an option, you know. Um, 
it's just not you just can't spend a week on something and, and get paid two hours for it like it's just not possible yeah. um so you know it's not really dictated by me as much as as the budgets that are allowed for for these endeavors in the in the current music landscape but um it, it is there were the dark days i actually think have passed us yeah. there was really dark days when vinyl was just not an option at all but now there's a really significant market for vinyl yeah there is um and and it's for me it's like it, it it pays for itself in most cases i think for most artists as long as you keep the run short you get to hold that physical product it's like a it's a celebration of of what you've accomplished as an artist and put out a body of work for me as the graphic designer getting on board if it's going to be pressed on vinyl i'm putting so much more into it you know yeah. just because yeah and, you know it's it just feels more worthwhile um, yes certainly yeah, well, less, so, less know, disposable, I suppose, isn't it? You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a physical thing. It's a tangible thing when it's pressed, when it's released, and there's a greater. Well, there's obviously a greater investment by the artist in that, so they would want something of a higher quality, something you know that sells the music. Definitely, hundred percent, and and you know that's not to say I should be clear about this as well because I'm a. Like you, I know um, from listening to the show, like you're a massive vinyl head. Um, yep. I'm the same. I love collecting. Um, I'm all about it, you know, and I yep. understand that not everyone is um, and and but people still love music, you know. Um, yeah. And like so so we figure out other ways to make, you know, if we're going to put a bit more budget into, in, into an album cover and it's only going to be a digital release, well, maybe we can bundle it with a, with a sick, poster or um or on merch or you know so um there are ways to still get you know squeeze the juice out of out of putting the effort into the artwork it doesn't have to be pressed on vinyl um and you know um yeah Yeah. i I think well that oyobi cover you mentioned earlier that that hasn't been pressed on wax Mm. um so inspired by that music and it was so different from a lot of the stuff a lot of the artists that come to us for artwork and it was just really really inspiring and i was vibing like crazy to that when i was you know listening to that while i was creating that and um i spent heaps of time on that way more than we got paid for yeah, yeah. um and i love that and i and and, and that's phenomenal dude 100 you know, it's beautiful it's amazing artwork i don't mean to interrupt but yeah it's incredible artwork man incredible well thanks man yeah and, and hopefully that's enough to maybe convince the artist to do a short run of wax, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you, but, you've got this thing now, you've paid for it. Let's, let's you know, make a physical out of it. Let's make a physical product and put it out. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, it kind of, that kind of sort of leads into, I mean, you know, I, I would like to talk to you on specific projects you've worked on. That kind of leads into, like, in terms of contemporary artists that have, um, that, you know, still do phys- physicals but are sort of, um, you know, definitely have um, – uh, what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Like they've they've <clears throat> they've moved with the times and kind of moved into the digital space as well. And artists like Taunts, you worked on Badlands, and now he doesn't he he doesn't press wax. You know he should. I've told him in the past. I've said that to him. I've said, man, you should fucking you know take one of your releases, put it out on wax, whatever. But you did the work on Badlands, man, and like 
you know, that's a that's a contemporary release. He's, uh, you know, like, I mean, fuck. At the end of the day, what I'm where I'm sort of working towards is what was involved in that. Like, how much creative freedom were you given? Does Taunts come to you with, you know, does he come to you with like a brief and go, okay, this is the thinking, or does he just play you the music? Like, because to me, that's an amazing modern release that got sold in 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 its physical format with posters, t-shirts, and all that sort of thing, but would probably have largely been uh, mostly consumed digitally, you know? Like, how, yeah. you know, your approach to Badlands, man, like it's phenomenal fucking artwork, dude. And shouts to Taunts on another great another great album, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. Like, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this one because it's from this year and yeah. um, I, I love it as well. I'm really happy with it. This this is a um, this is a cover that sort of hits a lot of touch points for me um, graphically with stuff that I'm into, you know, in terms of the movies, the, you know, the graphic novels, the stuff that I'm into. And yeah, very much, very much. Over, over the years I've, I've seen, you know, I've, huge fan of taunts and i just i actually think he's an artist that's just gets better with every release like his writing is just sharper every you know I mean, it's always been incredible but it just keeps getting better to me yeah um and his production is is crazy you know i know he samples lots of um lots of horror movies and kind of lots of synthy stuff that reminds me of john carpenter horror movies and stuff like that yeah, so definitely like definitely. just Right up my, right up my alley. Like I just love that kind of shit. Yeah. Um. It's it's hard as nails, but it's really smart. You know that. You know his writing is just really smart. So, I love it. So, he's actually one of the few artists that I actually hit up. I was like, I know oh, you got yeah. a new album. Yeah, I, I actually hit him up. Um, I never really do that. Um, but you know, occasionally I'll say, look, if there's a project coming up and you want to work, I love mm. your stuff. Let's work. Yeah. Um. And this sort of, you know, just sort of timed perfectly with um, we had a, it just finished a big project and I had a bit of time. I knew there wasn't going to be a big budget for this, which there wasn't, um, but I knew that I wanted to work on it and, and Taunts was down and um, so, you know, we, I, I got the opportunity to work on it and, and for me I was gassed off the fact that he was sending me a few a few joints that no one else had heard, so I was getting to hear stuff. I don't know if they were rough demos or actually f just a few finished tracks, but I had a few tracks to listen to, to that inspired the artwork, and um, I just pulled so much from the writing in yeah. those and put it to this image. And um, in terms of giving you a, a bit of a, a quick sort of rundown of how that image was created, like Taunts, I, I think. Um, he he had a he definitely had a brief and he was like you know I want wanted to sort of be Melbourne and um, uh, you know just a, a few sort of top line kind of things and I think he he wanted the sign with Badlands and stuff um, and then and I was like all right I, I, I get it I know the tone I'm listening to this so you, you know like it, I think it looks like the album sounds yeah. Um, because he is a very and visual artist, isn't he? Like he, as an MC, he's incredibly visual. He paints stories. He he is very much story driven when he writes, you know. And I just think the Badlands artwork translates the music perfectly, dude. Sorry, please continue. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So in terms of the steps of how we got there, um, basically just like um, asked Torns to send us some photos of 
of him, you know, in in certain poses, mm. uh, or not, mm. you know, not poses, just just sort of, you know, from from sort of waist up or full full figure, you know, head to toe kind of kind of shots, um, and and we'll we'll use that and we'll create a composition, we'll create a street scene and we'll use use you. So literally, like I think that the main image was taken on, I think it was taken on his phone, just in his in his yard, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, up, yeah. up against a brick wall. So we we got that. And um, Photoshop, mate, it's just Photoshop for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Photoshop for hours. <laughs> yeah, like every, almost every individual aspect of that image is is ripped from something different. Yeah. Um, so the road, the road is actually a three or four pieces of road comped together. Um, there are multiple buildings on either side that are all from different places. Um, the buildings in the background and off in the distance, the the train, the tram overpass. The tram itself, the actual cable that the tram is sort of connected to, is a separate element. Um, there's Badland sign, the crows, the gargoyles, which are you know a clear reference um, to gargoyle. Um, yeah. The wolf, he, he talks about the wolf. Um, you know, um, there's just you know there are posse shot tags, there are hired goons tags. All this shit is ripped from various places and comped together. And then the iconic fucking 80s horror movie Skull in the Sky, which was, to me, it was just like, ah, oh, fuck, as soon as I put that in there and then weaved a bit of, you know, sort of clouds in in amongst it and stuff, I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling the shit out of this. This Dude. is exactly what I love to do. 100%. So, yeah, really enjoyed working on it. And, you know, there was almost no changes and, um, you know, Taunts was really happy with it and I was just stoked to be involved, hey, because the album's incredible. Yeah. Um, Mad, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, and I think he's one of those sort of contemporary artists that has kind of really moved with the times. I mean, he's a dude that's come out of the late 90s, you know, or fucking even going back to, I suppose, the improvised stuff early on. Like, you know, he's an artist that's come out of the mid 90s, essentially. He's been around for 20 plus years now, if you go back to his early demos. And he's someone that's sort of moved with music as it's moved in many regards, you know, like regardless of putting out wax or anything, you know, he maintains digital, but he understands the import i mean he he maintains sort of physical product in terms of music but he's also sort of moved heavily into the digital realm and he understands the importance of it you know and i think the way you guys work together on that project man is yeah it fucking it translates amazingly man like it works really fucking well oh cheers man yeah it was dope like he's <laughs> you know he's got a he's got a really strong fan base obviously and yeah. they buy the t-shirts and you know, I would love to see this on wax as well. I think it's the quality of the product, the music deserves to be on wax. I would love to drop the needle on it for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, sonically, it's an incredible. It's just a banger. Um, but you know, the fact that he puts the CDs out and stuff still is 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 awesome. Um, you know, I think the T-shirts came up really well on this as well. Like mm. we literally just lifted the album artwork and chucked it on a tee, and it's got that. It's got that sort of throwback. I don't know, action horror movie feel to it as well. So Yeah, it certainly um, does. Yeah, I love that. We love working on that project. I'd love to do more of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, yeah, there seems to be a great deal of creativity in it. But another another real contemporary artist, another quite popular artist that you've worked with was Cursor. Dude, can you tell us about Designing the King and, like, you know, the sort of what, what went into designing that album? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Curse, we worked on um, all of his records except for one that um, Discourse worked on. 
Ah, yep, uh, yep, yep. So we've done, he's, he's approaching nine, I think nine. we're up to number nine. Yeah, I think uh, so, yeah. Are you working yeah. on number nine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we've already got the heads up. You know, shit. East fans expect it. There's one a year. Yeah. It's coming. Um, and, uh, yeah, King is, is probably my favourite of all of the ones we've worked on. Yeah. Um, it's the first one that I worked on um, that we brought uh, very talented photographer, Cole Bennett's, on board. Um, Cole is just, if you're not familiar with his work, he's, you know, he's absolutely um, prolific photographer, um, worked with all, you know, um, Horror Show and, uh, and Spit Syndicate and, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of those guys, Hermitude, um, a lot of Sydney artists. Um, I also got him on board for the the last That's Them record. We did an ab staunch as fuck um, photo shoot in in Two Bucks Garage. Yeah, um, the That's Them, the, that the, that that <laughs> that's a handful. That's them. That dude, that's dope. That's that shit's dope too. Man, very very uh, inspired. Not I don't think you look at it and maybe necessarily get this, but definitely inspired by um, Cool G Rap and Polo. You know, mm. like mm. I don't know. Putting a bag over a dude's head and tying him to a chair and like yeah, dude. You know. yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that was Cole, you know, and and so we sort of collaborated on the vision for that, and um, and, and very much the same process with King, and every record for Cursor since King, Cole's been on board and is an absolute integral part of the team and uh, in executing the vision. Like it's it's he's just a legend of a bloke and absolutely awesome to work with. Um, so the concept for that cover, um, you know, we rented a throne from a, from a prop shop yeah. and, you know, we, we want, we had a bunch of different ideas. It was always, you know, I had reference material of how we wanted him to sort of, sort of sit and the angle we wanted it shot from, um, and, and just the sort of general kind of vibe of the thing, um, which, you know, which again, you know, that's, um. Cole just captured that perfectly, but on top of that, like Scott Curse is, is uh, you know, he's a professional. Like yeah. he's really easy yeah. to work with, a really good dude, really open to suggestion yeah. and collaboration, yeah. and um, but also very easy. You don't need a whole lot of um, direction. You know, it's just subtle. It's little little minor suggestions and changes, like put your foot slightly there, whatever. It's like minor stuff because he's a personality. Mm. He's a character and he embodies that and it comes through in the image. And when you work with an artist like that that's that knows who who they are and 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 just there's nothing there's no pretense. It's just like here I am, I'm sitting in a fucking throne and I'm the king. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like if you feel that way, you don't have to coax it out of them. Like it's yeah. fucking it's awesome to work with someone like that. Yeah. And and I just on a quick side note, I would my experience of working on um uh, in, in, you know, sort of inverted commas, art directing the photo shoot for the um, stealth cover with Deathwish cast um, with, you know, I was there. Um, I barely said a word. It was like sit back and watch these guys, you know, like they just got into like b-boy mode and just got, you know, just, just like pro pro absolute professionals at work. Did you, do, did you do that cover? Was that the Legacy Continues cover or whatever? Uh, the, not the album cover, the cover of Stealth. The, the Stealth, uh, the yeah, the Stealth album cover. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the Stealth magazine cover. 
the Stealth magazine cover to promote that record. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we. I was just there with um with Mark. You know, I've worked on the layout for that. That whole issue was the first time I'd done the entire layout for Stealth Mag. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I was there as to be an art director on that photo shoot, but um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot I needed to do because those guys were just they're just incredible yeah. uh, artists and professionals, and they just do their thing, and you just sit back and watch. And um, that's it's awesome when you're working with artists like that. So, and I would say Scott Curse is exactly like that as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was incredible. Um, we we took the you know we carried the thrown down to a sort of um, overpass thing um, under the under the train line in Newtown, just near our office, and um, and took the photos and uh, <laughs> then a whole bunch of different details of different things like his tats and his rings and stuff, and and you know put the artwork together from there, and it was awesome collaboration. Um, and I just, it's one of my favourite covers just because, you know, when I look at it, it's like it's exactly what we envisaged. It's exactly yeah. what we set out to achieve and it just came together seamlessly. So. Yeah, absolutely, dude. No, it's fucking amazing, dude. Well, can we go, like, can we just take a step back also? Another record you told me that sort of influenced design for you or, you know, like you, you take influence from was The Owners by Gangstar. You know, and when I look at the gang, when I look at the owners, I kind of see that influence in, you know, the Obesity 2 comp. I see it in, you know, sort of little bits and pieces of work that you've done. What, what, what is it specifically about that particular album? Yeah, man. Well, the owners, mm. uh, the designer of that is a dude called Brent Rollins, um, who is – most known, I think, for all of the, the Quantum and Soul Sides um, uh, uh, covers. Yep, yep. Yeah, he did all the Quantum stuff. So Black Alicious, um, you know, um, uh, Lyrics Born, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. And, and he just, I mean, probably my single biggest influence in terms of the work that I that I do. It's very photo montage. Um, yeah, he, he actually, he also did. Um, Pretty sure he did the boys in the hood logo for the for the film. Really? Fuck. Okay. Yeah, That's I think crazy. he did the Mo Better Blues logo for Spike Lee as well. Um, look him up, Brent Rollins Design Explosion, and yeah. and he worked on he worked as an art director for Complex Mag for years. Uh, um, okay. Yep. Yeah, just a you know he did the uh, the full clip um, Gangstar compilation uh, artwork as well with all the you know the metal the sort of press metal yep, look. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, 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 Black Stars first record he did as well. Fuck, he did Black oh. Stars album. Yeah, man. No yeah, this dude is like he's he's one of my favorite designers. Just incredible. Um, but the owners is probably my favorite of his. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm hugely influenced by him um, for sure. So. That's dope. Um, yeah, I don't really have that much to say about it. Like the, that record is, you know, there's nothing sort of um, overly conceptual or deep about that just mm. this just the techniques that he employs on that i just love yeah um yeah it's just a really fun way to work like like that um well what what yeah. what uh like on, on a side note what what is your favorite gangstar album to listen to ah <laughs> uh, man uh putting you on the spot yeah it's probably hard to earn yeah 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 it's yeah hard to earn i mean i mean fuck like you, the first three, four, it's not the owners, you know. Yeah, the, no, the no, owners no. Is definitely, 
favorite. Yeah. Um, the Owners is a great uh, album. I mean, the Owners is a great album, but yeah, like just in terms of what Gangstar did, like yeah, I I probably lean towards Daily Operation or Hard to Earn personally, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, I mean, they're just all of those are five mics. You know, they're for us. Yeah. Hundred percent, dude. Hundred percent. We're working on the obesity compilation, man. How deep were you with obese by that stage? Had you done a few covers? I mean, you'd done hijack and torture. You'd done several several covers. And I know you have covered the obesity two compilation, but you got awards for it, you know, like it's an amazing, like, you know, an amazingly creative thing. You know, I've heard you talk about how the OB's logos in there and everything, all the layering, and that's sort of just I don't know, I just kind of saw parallels between the owner's cover and the obesity two cover in in just you know just sort of you know sort of weird ways whatever but yeah there was i just sort of see different things different influences in there man like what was involved in going into that like into a, a big compilation like that off the back of obesity one yeah um i mean uh oh man so long ago um that you know, we'd been we'd done crazy amounts of work for Obese before that compilation dropped. Like so many albums. I mean, there there was a there was a a period there where it was just like it felt like an album a month. What are and, some and, of the Obese releases you worked on? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, um, you know, uh, off the top of my head, like Pegs, Drama, oh, um, yeah. Burn City, the Gully Platoon record. Uh, yeah. um, all of the fundamentals records on the, on that label. Oh, um, all the dielectrics records. Yeah, of course. Ah, uh, fuck. I mean, heaps of them. A man. lot of like, the shit coming through there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, we were doing most of it, uh, yeah. you know, because eventually, um, uh, yeah, like I, I think unless the artist specifically wanted to use someone else, Pegs just sent him our way. Yeah. Um, and, and during that that patch there, it was you know every album was sort of uh, it was an album cover, but then it was a campaign as well. It was a, a marketing campaign around it, and we were doing lots of um, little flash mini sites and and animation and stuff to promote um, each release. So it was a huge amount of work for each each release. It was such a such a good time. Like fuck, mm. it was just you know just nonstop. Just hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, 100%, dude. And what Obese did through that period, man, like is, yeah, something else. I mean, they really sort of um, brought local hip hop culture to a larger audience, to a broader audience. And so did you in in the regard that you were largely the visual mind behind a lot of that post-Mexi, you know. I know Mexi was involved in a lot of the early um, formative releases that sort of came through there. And then, you know, what you did following that, man, like, fuck, it's, yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable achievement oh thanks man yeah it was you know those early days uh, when mexi decided to leave obese i was you know because he is such a good mate of mine i was like ah i don't know if, like i don't want to sort of step in here and just take over i, I absolutely uh, had to sort of go are you cool with this because they're sending me this work yeah and he was like if you don't do it fucking someone else is going to do it so you might as well do it yeah 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 <laughs> You know, and and so he was, you know, it was very gracious of him to be cool about it all, and and um and we that's kind of what happened. Like, it literally took over um, when Mexi decided to move on from Obese, and and we sort of benefited from from that, um, having done a bit of work here and there, like the website and everything, and um, you know, uh, yeah, it was just a, a 
incredibly busy time. Like it really set um, set set us up in terms of our business and a steady stream of work. Which, when you're a small, you know, thing, just small small shop starting out, mm. you get a clutch like that where you've just kind of got work that you can rely on and you know it's coming through and you've got a good relationship with the with the client and. Um, there's no bullshit about what things cost or whatever. It's like this is, you know, the budgets are there and everything's cool and everyone's happy. It's just, it's an awesome way to do, to sort of do business and do what you want to, you know, what you do best and, and focus on the work and be creative and just have mad fun, you know. Yeah. And it was, it was mad. We just had mad fun creating artwork for all these albums. You know? Yeah, and awesome. I think and I think it fucking it, it that that translates, dude. And also we um I know sort of off off air we were kind of talking about like, you know, marketing and branding and all that sort of thing and how you like you well, you know, essentially the differences between marketing, marketing, you know, you require the brand, the brand is what marketing essentially sells. You communicate that brand with a broader public. Were you involved with Obese's marketing? Like, were you sort of working that angle as well beyond the initial creative stages, the logos, the branding, the album design, and all that sort of thing? Or was you were you largely left there, and then the brand, the marketing department steps in? Or were you part of the marketing department in in many regards? Uh, I, I would say a hundred percent a part of the marketing department. Yeah. Um, I wasn't physically there in the office in Melbourne, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, I was I, I was there longer than various um, heads of the marketing department. Yeah. So you know, yeah. they would change, and I would be the constant. Um, so you know, from um, Bianca and Cavetta through to Ben Rinderman, through to um, through to Fern, um, who's who's now the manager for Cursor, you know, and, mm, and true. Um, yep. Yeah, and, and uh, one of my best mates, um, Dielectric's partner, you know, like so that that sort of, you know, that's just sort of um, continued on that sort of working relationship there. Um, and, you know, hopefully Pegs will release something again one day and uh, I'd like to think I'll get the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%, bro, 100%. Well, dude, I mean, we'll start wrapping up now, but in 20, was it 2013 where you put out the book? Sorry, I don't. I just don't have years written uh, down. It was around 2013, 2014. No, no, no. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, end of, end of 2013 it was. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So what, what um, you know, like was putting out a book something you always planned to do or, you know, and for those listening, um, Ben put out, uh, what was it, a decade of album cover art, the book, and it was like 12-inch yeah. vinyl size and it came with a mixtape done by Tubuck and all kinds of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um um yeah that was just sort of a a point in my life where i felt like i needed to do that um you know it was definitely something that i'm glad that i did it was a huge amount of work um uh i'm really sort of humbled by how well it did um in terms of um it wasn't a cheap item it was a sort of really um high quality expensive thing to produce Mm. and that's before you even take into account the hours that I spent on it, which, you know, I didn't get paid a cent for the time I spent on that. Yeah, no. um, we cut our costs to produce it. You know, it was fucking expensive um, to produce. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done it any other way, you know, because yeah. it wasn't about that. It was about, it, it was a branding tool, I guess. It was yeah. about, but but more than anything, it was sort of like, well, um Oh, I don't know. It's, I, I've had a few beers, but I, I like it was sort of a morbid thing at the time, you know. Like I was about to turn thirty-six, and my old man passed at thirty-six. Ah, oh, shit. So, 
I felt like I I, <laughs> I wanted. I can't believe this is going to be on a podcast. Um, <laughs> I wanted to wanted to do it. You know, I thought if I'm checking out, I want to I want to put something out that encapsulates what I've achieved up to this point. Yeah. And and now I look at it like. Um, shit, I probably should have waited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's it. It was a little preemptive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely preemptive. There's better shit now, like heaps yeah. better stuff that I could have. I mean, not to say that I don't love the, some of the stuff that's in there. Of course. Um, but some of it is young and naive and, and, and you know, to, to justify a book that costs that much to produce, there's some newer stuff that I would really love to have in there. Yeah. So, uh, Maybe I'll do another one at twenty years. Yeah, dude. Um, I think, man. We'll I, yeah, bro. I think you, there could be fucking room for a part two for sure, bro. For sure, dude. Another album that I uh, oh, actually fuck. Before we move on from the book, what about like um, the CD, attaching the CD to it, and all that sort of thing? What was in? Did you just sort of hand creative, like you know, creative freedom over to Two Buck with that, or did you have a hand in the selection, or like in terms of what he mixes on that, you know, over the course of that mixtape and attaching the music to to the book, you know, like I think that was a great selling point. Yeah, cheers, man. I mean, that that's um, you know, that was essentially a free giveaway. Yeah. Um, uh, that that just sort of complemented the book. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, so so um, thankful to get Buck on board for that. You know, he's a really good mate. Um, very much the the jump off for that was inspired by um, the intro that he would do to all of Dielectrics' sets. Um, where he'd, he'd cut up all this, all the Australian, you know, a bunch of Australian classics, and essentially that that intro to their live show is the intro to the to the tape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he always wanted to expand on it and do more with it. And um, in terms of my input, very minimal. Like I complete trust in in Bach. You know, he's he's the fucking selector, man. Like he's oh, he's the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, I think probably the only thing I said is, um, if, you know, artists that I've worked with, yeah, pepper them in there as much as you can because I want to represent my clients in this in this as well. Yeah. Um, but like, pretty much that is Buck's release. It's it's you know obviously we got the, the drops from various people on it, um, giving us shout outs and whatever. But um, came to very came together very quickly and organically, and it was just a passion project for both of us and. Um, you know, absolutely awesome to do something like that with a really good mate. Yeah, it's dope, dude. It's dope packaging. And, and yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't think you could have picked a better selector, you know. Like, oh, it, it, and in terms of a dude that proficient on turntables, man, like, fuck, two buck is unbelievable, man. Like, we're going to have him on here soon. We're going to have him on well, here um, late last year, I think, but it's sort of all oh, – actually, earlier this year, but, yeah, it kind of all fell through. But we're going to get two buck on soon. But, yeah, man, fucking amazing, amazing. And just a, a great compliment to one another, like having that music there and then also just the book and the boutique feel of the book as you said like you know it's expensive for a reason man like it's a fucking you know it's it's an achievement it's a fucking it's an amazing achievement oh thanks man yeah it's 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 weird now it's kind of six years old or whatever it is and mm. um it's sort of um i don't know I've, I've had my second child in that time i'm like way more gray as <laughs> as um <laughs> as, as, as dj debris said to me a couple of weeks ago uh, after their show He's like, you know, straight up and down. We're, we're, we're the same age, you know, yeah. we're close to the same age. He's just looked at me like, fuck, you're heaps greyer than the last time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> fucking getting distinguished, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, the yeah. fucking greys creep yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, like it's you know it's it it was an awesome thing to do, and um I don't know I'd like to do something else like that if I can um if I have the time and and but like I poured so much time into doing that, but I was sort of motivated by something else at the time, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's no, good thing to do. That's amazing, dude. We've got a um, we've got a question from one of our Patreon subscribers, uh, Ryan Craig. And if um, you know, I should just state from the outset: if anyone wants to uh, know a guest early that we may be having on Beers, Beats, and the Beers in the future, or ask a question to one of our guests, um, man, just subscribe. Let us know. If you subscribe, you can ask questions and all that sort of thing. But yeah, this dude, um, we let him know that you were coming on, and he he asked us to ask you, what's the most unique or distinctive thing you have done? I thought it was a pretty good question. Shit. Yeah, it's it's unique. dude. That's what I sort of thought. I was like, fuck. That's a um, you know, it's kind of probably putting you on the spot. I should have given you a little heads up ahead of time, you know, because we'll probably hang up the fucking hang up the blower after this, and you'd be like, fuck, I did this, I did this. But in terms yeah. of yeah, unique and distinctive work, you've fucking dude, you've done a broad spectrum of things, and there is some corporate shit that I want to touch on before we fucking before we um, let you go, you know, because I know, man, we've had you for cl- for a couple of hours now, but. Bro, like in terms of some of the work you've done, what is the most unique and distinctive work you've done uh, to you? Yeah, Matt. I, I when you first asked it, I didn't I didn't link it with um with work. I was like unique and distinctive thing I've done just like in general in life, and I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> 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 um, but that's heaps better if we're talking about work. Yeah, 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 um, dude. Yeah, we'll go with work. <laughs> uh, Shit, um, unique, distinctive. I don't know. Like, put on the spot like that. I, I will, I will say this much. I am very much a product of my influences, and I think this this interview clearly, um, clearly sort of uh, uh, illustrates that. Certainly. Um, and I think we all are. You know, if we're yeah. honest as artists and creatives, we're yeah. we are a product of our influences, um, whether they're direct or or indirect. Um, so in terms of the, to answer that question, in terms of something that's really specific and unique um, that stands out as something that's my own um, and probably whatever I say, someone will find something and go, nah, bro, that fucking looks heaps like this. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm, I'm just looking at my... Um, my website for an answer to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're a wacky brain, bro. Right? <laughs> on the green share, I might have a different answer, but I, I, I'd like to say that the, the um, even though it wasn't Peg's biggest record by a long shot, I'd like to say that the Pegs and Silent Titan cover okay. is probably my favourite um, thing that I've done in a lot of years, um, maybe possibly ever. Yeah. Um, that uh, I, I know there wasn't. There was no. I mean, there were, there are things that, without a doubt that have influenced it, but there was nothing specific that I was kind of looking at and going, "Well, I want to make something like that for that." Yeah. The actual process of the creation of that really happened on the on the um, you know on the artwork uh, artwork pasteboard sort of in Photoshop while I was dragging things around. I, I knew that I wanted to make a photo montage kind of piece. Um, that incorporated all of these these images that touch on different things that the album touches on. Yeah. Um, 
but the actual process of piecing that together, and that's that's actually me in the middle of that. That's a photo of me in my back lane uh, that um, behind my house that um, Nerida took of me, and then it's, it's sort of photoshopped a face of a um, of a sort of justice statue uh, inside that hoodie, and then um, you know chop because he sort of talks about consumerism and. Um, you know, separating yourself from our, our materialistic kind of tendencies and our, our love for sneakers, which I know you and I definitely oh, bro, share. Oh, 100%. Fucking all day. All day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why I got the saw in there, kind of chopping the legs off. And, yeah. the, um, uh, I mean, there's just so many – there was a lot of thought and um, conceptual depth put into that piece. I don't know if that sounds wanky, but I really love it. Um I love it as a piece of artwork, and I don't know that it's completely unique. Uh, maybe it is. It might be unique for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, it, you know, to answer the question, I love that piece. So if he, if uh, if he's not familiar with that one, check it out. Go check it out, Peg Silent Titan. Well, dude, fuck, man. Like, bro, we've had you for a couple of hours now. I've got to let you go. I mean, I've got more shit I want to talk to you about, but I think fucking Russ has to insidious has to get out of the studio, dude. Touching on sneakers quickly, man. What's your go-to? What's one of your favorite ah. sneakers? I mean, you're a design yeah. man. You're a man about branding. I mean, fucking, I mean, sneakers, uh, <laughs> you know, branding and design is fundamental to those classic sneakers, to sneakers we love. Well, what do you, What are some of your go-to kicks? Yeah, 100%. We could do another podcast on oh, Jordans. Easily, um, bro. Easily, 100%. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, T.K. Field, you know, all of that. <laughs> and, and, and again, like for me, Jordan's Jordan's was is about ball. It's yeah. not about sneak culture. Like yeah. I wanted to fly as Jordan's because I wanted to wear them on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still remember, you know, we didn't have heaps of money, but um, growing up, but basketball was my sport. My brother was into cricket. He got a budget for cricket. Like he got a cricket bag. He got a bat. He got fucking pads. He got all that shit. Um, I didn't need any of that extra extracurricular shit to play ball. All you I need needed those was good. Kicks. Those, and I, those and fucking I pitched, shoes. <laughs> I, pitched this, I pitched this, well, probably one of my earliest successful pitches. I pitched this to mum and like, you know, I need a, I need 200. I need to get these Jordan 5s. Yeah. And the Jordan 5 with the reflected tongue and the, and, and the inner sole in those was some cushy shit that you like this. Like up to that point, I'd never worn anything that made me feel like I was walking on a cloud. Yeah. And, the, and they had the, um, you know the uh, the sort of gum see through sole on them, and I think people fucking I think people in this like today don't understand how amazing the air sole was. Like when you first saw an air sole as a kid, like some you know if you're in our age bracket, you know if you're like late thirties into your forties, and when you first saw an air, like an exposed air sole, like in an Air Max One or a Jordan Four or a Jordan Five or whatever, I think the Jordan Three also you know had the well of course the Jordan Three had the exposed air sole, but like. Bro, like seeing the air so like you know, like what sneakers were, and once again, like fucking basketball, dude. Like you know, yeah, we oh, man, those fucking shoes, like, bro, that's some shit. That's some shit right there, you know. And the branding, of course, and the way they sold those shoes, the advertising campaigns, the way they attached hip hop culture to sneakers and basketball and things back in the early nineties. Like, man, it was fucking. That's one hundred, you know, all day. It was amazing shit. But bro, listen, man, we've had you for fucking. We've had you for a couple hours. 
hours. We've got to get out of the studio now. I really appreciate your time, dude. Um, I was trying to think of some sort of snappy shit to fucking leave on. Like, do you, man, what sort of advice do you have for people in terms of branding and, you know, sort of selling their product, pushing their product to a wider public, man? Just to, you know, just some, you know, some passing thoughts, some end, you know, just to end this shit, man. Like, what are your sort of passing thoughts on that kind of thing, bro? Um, I don't know, man. Like I, um, I, I, I think if you want to, um, holler at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get at me. That's, that's the passing. That's the thought. <laughs> Get at me, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought you were going to say, what, what can you say to aspiring designers? You know, like. Well, dude, um, exactly. Like, man, aspiring whoever. You want to talk about branding? Holler at your boy. Uh, <laughs> That's where it's at. That's where it's at. <laughs> oh, dude, I fumble. I fumble through this shit, man. Like I've got all my notes written down, and I want to speak on sort of things. But you know, it's just sort of like wherever the conversation goes, it fucking goes, dude. And man, once yeah. again, I've appreciated your time this afternoon, brother. Like it's you know, it's been a massive learning experience, and I think, man, there's so much we can take from you know what you've given us. Man, thanks heaps. I know I kind of. Um, I didn't know how I was going to go on this and I totally got in a zone and just waffled on. So hopefully it's not too boring and, um, right. you know, thanks heaps for the opportunity. Nah, man, nah. Thank you, dude. And no, nah, it was anything but that, man. Like I, I was kind of thinking, I was going leading into it. I'm like, man, this is going to sound like a fucking episode of the Gruen Transfer or some shit. But, dude, like it's, it's <laughs> man, it's all that and so much more, brother. Like once again, Ben Funnel, April 77 Creative. Dude, I'll talk to you in the coming days anyway. I'll even talk to you once um, we turn the mics off and stuff. But, brother, thank you so so much for your time thank you for all your contributions and man just keep killing it thank you thank you thanks heaps jake really appreciate it bro appreciate it mate thank you see ya